We're in uh, a year of talking about how to live drenched, and we're in a series about talking about living drenched in the home. Uh, we've talked about marriage. We've talked about being a husband. We've talked about being a wife, and uh, you know that may not have hit everybody. But uh, today we're going to talk about uh, parents and children, and you for sure fit into some of that category somewhere. Uh, would you stand with me and let's read a passage from. Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that it it finds us. And I pray that it would find us today in this place. I pray that you would anoint the things that I say, help me uh, to say the right things. And I pray, Father, that you would anoint our hearts, that we would hear from you uh, clearly, and that we would be obedient children. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, telling men how to be a, um, a great husband, piece of cake. Telling uh, women how to be a great wife, I gave that one to Barbie. <laughs> but both of those are a walk in the park compared to telling parents how to parent their children. Because as guys, we know we fall short as husbands and You know, I'm assuming that some women know that they fall short as wives, but our kids, perfection, the spinning image of us in all of our glory, it's because of the the great work that we've done. Uh, So now that I've said that, let's get down to reality. There are two caveats for today that I want to mention before going into this. And first of all, let me say that, you know, if you're, uh, uh, let's say you, you don't have children, you're not likely to ever have children and maybe your parents are deceased. So you're, you know, it, you're just kind of seemingly, you know, well, I wonder why I'm here today. Wait till we get to the end and, and I'll, I got something for you as well. But, uh, two caveats today. First of all, there's more than one way to do this. There, there is more than one way to get this to get this right. So I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not up here telling you that because uh, I am going to talk about some of the things that worked for Margaret and I. But I'm not up here telling you this is how it's done, people, uh, because it may. Hopefully, the principles work for all of us, but the way that some of them are implemented, uh, I understand that that's going to be different. And let me also say this: even within the same home. There is no one size fits all that, that is going to work for the children that you've got. They are all individuals. And whether you got, you know, unless, unless, you're, unless you have a home like I grew up in where I was it. I was everything. I was all that there was because I was an only child. But unless you got a situation like that, every one of those children is an individual. And they're different. And part of your job is to get to know them and, and know who they are. And, and what's, and what's going to work for them? We're going to use scripture today, but like I say, I'm also going to share from personal experience some of the things that were good for Margaret and me. 
And the second caveat is this. There are no guarantees. No guarantees. You, you can do everything seemingly right. Actually, you can do everything seemingly perfect, and you can still end up with a stinker. Back in the 60s and 70s, there was a, a, a musical that was very popular called uh, um, The Fantastics. And uh, had some terrific songs in it. And one of the ones that I enjoyed the most was one where two dads are out working in the garden. And, and uh, the song's called Plant a Radish. Uh, and they're working in the garden and, and the song is all about how much they love tending a garden and raising vegetables more than raising children. Because when you raise vegetables, you know what's happening. You know what you're going to get. Plant a radish, get a radish, never any doubt. That's why I love vegetables. You know what you're about. And when they, and when they, get, to, uh, when they get to the bridge, uh, it says every turnip green, every kidney bean, every plant grows according to the plot. While with progeny, it's hodgepodgeny. For as soon as you think you know just what you've got, it's what they're not. (laughs) You can't always judge a parent's skills by looking at their grown children. Now, when you're looking at their three-year-old, that's a different story. Just saying. People make their own choices, though, once they grow and as they grow. 1 Timothy uh, 3.4 describes an elder's qualifications. It says he must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. The word here for for children is is technon, which sounds like a visitor from another galaxy (laughs) who has come to uh, visit for a while on the earth. And and that may in fact be what children are. Uh, They're also a gift from the Lord. They're a real blessing. Yeah. But the word implies more than just a physical descendant. Uh, the, the, The word technon talks about someone who lives in full dependence upon you. So when it says children, And it says that he must manage his children well. Your your job is to manage your children. In fact, it's your sacred trust to manage them. It's not just your job. It's something, something deeper, something even more important than that. And when they're children, they need managing. You ever been to a restaurant lately? Now we've created this. Uh, we, we, we've created this relatively recent category of adolescent, um, and it has a special set of difficulties because when people enter into adolescence, uh, the teens often feel that they have arrived at adulthood before the parents think they have, and the parents think they're still children long after they're not. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, yeah, uh, and both of them are wrong. You know, so it's really complicated. It gets, you know, I don't know. I think things might have been better back in the 18th century when, you know, hey, you're 14, get out of here. Go get a job. Go cut some wood. You know, kill a bear, bring it home. 
But you can't look at grown children and expect their parents to manage them. Somebody was asking me the other day about, about one of my kids and said, now how do you motivate that child? And I said, I haven't motivated that child since he graduated from high school. You know, and you haven't motivated yours probably since then. You know, unless you dangle some money in front of because that's just, that's how it, that's how, and, and I was the same way. This is, this is reality. This is life. I know that Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And let me just say this, um, that's specifically referring the, the reference is, is one of husbandry. Uh, it, it's find out what that child's destiny is and call it forth and help them to accomplish that destiny. That, that's really what it's about. That's it's one of the reasons why you got to get to know your child. See, a lot of people raise their children. Ooh, you're going to just love me before this day's over. A lot of people raise their children to fulfill the dreams they had that didn't happen. Rather than finding out what this child's dreams are and what they were created for and, and helping to try and shape them in, in that way. Now, we often apply this, uh, this verse to, to, to faith. And if you insist on thinking that a grown child who departs from the faith was simply not brought up the right way, I can't stop you from thinking that, but I don't agree with you. There are truths that trump other truths. Now, if you train a child in the right way, they've got a much stronger chance. You know, if you bring them up in the faith, they certainly have a much stronger chance of, of, of staying in the faith. And let me just say this. If, if God has specifically given you this verse for a prodigal, then that's a whole different story. You hold on to this and you go, yes, this is what God gave me. But, but I'm talking about the, the, the general the general meaning of this verse, we make bad choices and we look for someone else to, uh, to blame for it, but ultimately people make their own choices. And if someone leaves the faith, it wasn't because it wasn't necessarily because dad and mom were, did something bad or did something wrong. Some people do things because that's how their parents did them. Some people do things because that's not how their parents did them. And most of us are a combination of both of those things. There, there are specifically things that I do and ways that I do things that are not the way my parents did it because I saw that and went, nah, I don't think that works or that didn't work for me. But the older I get, the more I discover that there are a whole bunch of things that I do that I go, daddy, ah, this is uh, this, this feels very familiar now that I'm looking back on it. Okay. So we're going to talk about being a parent. We're going to talk about being a child. What is required of a parent? There are uh, three things required of a parent. Now, I'm, I'm talking about, obviously, you know, there's obviously the biological requirements to become a parent. But let, let's go beyond that and say, now, we're, we're talking about raising children is what we're talking about. What's required? And the first one is simply provision. Provision. And... You say, well, you know, where's a chapter and verse on that? Oh, come on, people. But let me just say this. Giving provision for your offspring will keep you from becoming an ostrich. Does anybody know what book of the Bible I'm referencing? Besides my wife. (laughs) 
Job. Yeah, the book of Job. Over in Job 39, it, it talks, God is talking about the ostrich and says she lays her eggs on the ground, lets them warm in the sand. Unmindful that a foot may crush them, that some wild animal may trample them, she treats her young harshly as if they were not hers. She cares not that her labor was in vain, for God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a share of good sense. And someone who doesn't understand that food, protection, shelter, clothing, training, that's my job, has not been endowed with wisdom or good sense. Guys, I'm talking to you before, before you get there. Because if kids come into the world, if you bring kids into the world, you know, as guys, we kind of, I mean, we can kind of go away and leave like the ostrich. She's got to stay. Uh, that ain't right. That is not right. And if you're going to be responsible for bringing kids in the world, you're responsible for providing for them. This does not mean that every eight-year-old must have an iPhone. Whoa. (laughs) It also doesn't mean that every 16-year-old has to have a car. Okay, well, just keep, hold that thought. Keep, keep that, keep that attitude that you got going on there. But it does mean that they have to be clothed and fed and trained and brought up and sheltered and protected. And that's what a parent has to do. Second thing that a parent is charged with doing is training. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And the mothers are involved as well, but th- there's some things that God doesn't have to tell mothers. But he does have to tell fathers. And you're supposed to train them. You're, you're supposed to be involved in bringing them up in the, in the instruction of the Lord. And it doesn't say to hire someone to train them. It, it gets better. Uh, you, you know, we, we live in a world where you, you know, you need, you probably need to send your, your child to school. I mean, they got to be schooled some way, but there's a whole lot more to training a child than, than, than reading and writing and arithmetic and, and, and biology and English lit, which nobody reads anymore anyway, so that doesn't matter. And grammar, there's a lot more to training than just those things. Train them also doesn't mean just keep them away from stuff. Yeah. Uh, different parents have different ideas about what is okay and appropriate for their kids to see. And that's okay. What is not okay is to not care what they see or to not have any kind of plan. Be strategic. Be strategic. Have a plan. You know, if you, don't, if you don't have a budget, you will not handle money well. If you, if you don't have a budget, money's just going to kind of fly away out of your pocket, and you're kind of going, well, what, you know, what happened? 
You know, and if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a, a strategy regarding the, the way that you're going to raise your kids and what's okay and what's not okay, then, and they're more important than money. They're, they're more important than, than money is. Margaret and I were probably a little bit looser about some things that, uh, that we would let our kids see and, and would let our kids do than some other people. And I, you know, I think part of that had to do with me growing up in a situation that was pretty tight. And it was one of those things where I went, I ain't going there. Uh, and it, and her being a Presbyterian. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but, uh, but we were, you know, we were, we were probably a little bit looser, but there were, there were two areas that we definitely protected them from. And I'm just going to tell you what they were. Uh, and, and I'm talking specifically about media now, about the, the kinds of things they consumed in media. One of the areas was horror. I mean, and I'm not talking about, you know, the old universal pictures, Boris Karloff and uh, Bella Lagosa. I'm not talking about those because some of those were, you know, some of those had some actual, they actually had some morals and some, and, and some things in it that were, that were heartwarming, touched your heart without yanking it out of your chest and eating it before your eyes. They, you know, when, when, uh, especially Bride of Frankenstein, I mean, when, when Karloff goes into that, into the, into the blind man's cabin and, and learns about a, about a friend and he goes, friend, God, you know, you're just kind of go, Ooh, this is, yeah. I mean, there, there's some good stuff, but the, what is considered, you know, this genre today is extremely disturbing. Now, you know, when, when, when your child gets to be 20, 30, 40, whatever, and wants to, you know, look at that and go, Oh man, that was so cool. His head just popped right off. You know, that's, you know, that's what they're going to decide. But a five-year-old can't handle that. Without, without carrying the scars. They just can't. So that was, that was one of the areas that, that we were very specific about. Uh, another area, which might seem to be, in some ways, polar opposite, was the Cosby Show. We wouldn't let our kids watch the Cosby Show. Well, why wouldn't you let your kids watch the Cosby Show? Did you know something that other people don't know? no. The reason we wouldn't let our kids watch the Cosby show is because every two or three minutes, the kids were mouthing off to their parents and they always got away with it. And we went, uh-uh, that's not what's going to happen in our house. So we just didn't go there. We, we, that's, that was, those were the things. Now here's, here's the deal. Whatever media you allow your child to be exposed to, you need to watch it with them. Whatever media you you need to watch it with you need to talk about it you you need to go out what do you think about that you know uh i mean part of the time you need to go that's bad or and explain why or that was good and explain why and some of the time you need to go what do you think about that you know kind of see if any of this is taking or something like that if they learn what to think about spongebob square pants then you know when when the conversation comes up around the water cooler in kindergarten they'll have They'll, they'll have something to contribute to the conversation rather than just be soaking in, soaking in, rather than just be soaking in, you know, what everybody else's ideas are. Yeah. 
You can't protect them from everything. And even if you could, they're just as likely to rebel as they are to follow. I mean, I don't... Did any of you ever want to discover or find out about the forbidden? Come on, you raised your hand when you said you were prodigal. But, you know, now everybody's going, no, that wasn't me. Was that you? You know. Well, it was me. I'll tell you what. I mean, when I got that driver's license, I thought, I'm going to find out about some of this stuff. There are a lot of people out there seem to be having a much better time than I'm having. And I need to discover why. That was, that was, that was basically the, that was basically the, the thing that, that went through, that went through me. Uh, so you can't protect them from everything. You, you, and you need to decide there are things you need to protect them from, but there's a whole much bigger category that you need to prepare them for. To be able to deal with and to, and to be able to face when they, when they get out in life. Now, uh, just remember that you clapped for me earlier and you were <laughs> enthused by what I said. And so, you know, you can go to your happy place and go, ah, oh, we're not buying her a cell phone. Uh, homeschool. Um, uh, homeschool can be a wonderful thing if it's the right thing for your child and if you're, I mean, if it's the right thing for you. They can get a much better education, you know, one-on-one with you than they can in a room with 30 people. I, I mean, by and large, that's the case. But there is one reason for sure, one, one motivation that I feel, and I'm just going to say this, I don't usually make value judgments like this, but that I feel is the wrong reason to homeschool and if it's why you're doing it. And, and, it, and it actually uh, came to me about, oh, over 35 years ago, because it was I was at I was at Cornelia, the the bookstore that was attached to Belmont and uh, church, and uh, the, it was wild and woolly Jesus freak days, and and I was in there, and, and they had one of those um, um, Belmont hippie uh, Christian freak persons, and and they were in there, the kind of person that you would expect to be going, yeah, man, we, 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 uh, we, we homeschool our kids, we can all our food, and we, we have hive of bees out in the backyard, you know, uh, kind of thing. And, and, and the guy, uh, and, I remember, and I remember the guy saying to me, because I think Margaret was pregnant at the time with, with Isaac, and I, and I uh, remember the guy saying to me, he said, uh, I don't know how it came up, but he said, we don't homeschool because we feel called. We feel called to be in the public school. And we feel called that, that our kids need to be there and their voice needs to be heard. I thought, well, that's pretty good. But the other side of that, what, made me, what, what really came home to me is uh, don't homeschool your kids out of fear. Don't homeschool them because you're afraid that they might, you know, get public cooties or something if they, if they, if they go out there to school. The, the scripture says... God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. And so I, I think it can pretty much follow that anything we do that is motivated from fear is probably not motivated by this spirit God has given to us, but by some other spirit. And also, 
Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. At some point in time, your kids are going to encounter other ideas. At some point in time, they're going to encounter other philosophies. They're going to encounter other ways of doing things. Let me tell you, the gospel is supreme. There, there is no thought system. There is no other set of ideas anywhere in the world that can touch the gospel. What, what can possibly touch for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes on him will not die, but will have eternal life. I mean, that's strong. That's powerful. We don't have to, to fear the, the intercourse of ideas in the world. We uh, also tried to train our kids to make choices. So that was one of the ways that we prepared them. Teach them the truth and train them to make choices. That's, that's the best you can do. I mean, pray for them, bless them, but teach them the truth and train them to make choices. Don't add, and, you know, and don't, don't let your children rule when they're, when they're children. Chil- little children rock, but they shouldn't rule. And so when you, but, but you do give them controlled options that's appropriate to their age. You know, don't come in and go, what do you want for breakfast? Well, they want ice cream and cake for breakfast. You know, come in and say, do you want eggs or do you want cereal? When you make a choice, you'll eat. But learn how to make a choice. Don't let your seven-year-old decide where you go on vacation. That is not a burden a seven-year-old should bear. You can give them some options. You can make them part of the process, but it's a rigged process. You already know where you're going. And that's okay at that particular age. (laughs) You brought them into this world. You have a responsibility to train them. And then, oh boy, I wish I had another hour, but I've I've got 15 minutes. I'm going to get it done. Discipline. Uh -uh. Notice that that word isn't punishment. There's a difference. Uh, Let's look at some some verses real quickly that are often associated with discipline and should be because the word discipline is in all of them. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Amen. But the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save, save them from death. Does this mean that we must use corporal punishment? Okay, it's kind of a rhetorical question. And, uh, but I'm just going to step out on the, on the limb. And I'm going to go, no, it doesn't mean that. You can. We used it. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. But, it, it, you know, this is a, the, the tr- a 3,000-year-old culture that's being written to. The, the, the key in these verses isn't the rod. The key is discipline. Key is discipline. That's, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. There are people who beat their kids regularly who have never disciplined them. All they ever do is punish them. Proverbs 3.12 says, the Lord disciplines the child he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Not as a father, the son he's ticked off with at the moment. 
Uh, we, we weren't reserved about using corporal punishment. It was, it was the main punishment that we used. However, here's some things to consider. This is the 21st century. And if you get carried away with corporal punishment, you just might get carried away. And that's just the way that it is, where, the, where, the, where we are. Uh, truth doesn't change, but methods may change. The truth is that parents are to discipline their children. And all we have to do, as I mentioned earlier, is go out and eat at a restaurant to discover that we don't do a very good job of it in our culture. Uh, when, we, uh, when, we, yeah, I got time to, well, uh, when we do plays here, we don't allow children under the age of four. It's amazing. And why do we not allow children under the age of four? It's because a three-year-old can't sit through a two-hour play and go, oh, that's great. You know, no, a three-year-old's going to sit there and, and go, who's, who's that man, mommy? You know, I need a pee-pee, you know, and, and all, all of this stuff. And people are sitting around them and they bought tickets and paid money to come and see this. You know, so that, but you, it's amazing how many parents go, my kid is the exception. Mine, mine isn't a disturbance to anyone around me. <laughs> yeah. And let me just say that, you know, some kids respond better to other types of punishment than, than, than corporal punishment. Um, but three rules for discipline, regardless of what you use. And once again, be, be strategic, be consistent. Nobody likes to get slapped on the wrist today for what was okay yesterday. So be, be consi- have a plan. Know, know strategically what you're doing heading into this because it's important. Uh, three, three things. First of all, never discipline in anger because you can't. You can only punish in anger. You discipline with a cool head. So never discipline. And if you leave discipline too long, you will be angry. So it does need to be, does need to be right away, but, but don't do it in anger. Find a way to cool off. Secondly, be sure the child knows why they're being disciplined. And, and I guess I'm going to put, a, put a, uh, a corollary to this. Be sure you know why they're being disciplined. Sure. It's dangerous to assume that others know what you think they know. It, it, and I think it's entirely appropriate before discipline is applied to go, do you know why I'm doing this? And if they don't, then enlighten them. We always tried to discipline rebellion. We, we tried to not discipline a child for being a child. But we did discipline rebellion, which is why we didn't let them watch the Cosby show. But, you know, and, and let me just say this. When, when a child is you know, going, going crazy in a, in a restaurant or a play or, or wherever... And if it's okay for them to go crazy, let them go crazy. But if it's not okay for them to go crazy, you know, once, because they're just being a child. But once you say, don't do that, and they keep doing it, now they're in rebellion. So we would, we would try to discipline rebellion. And then the third thing, be sure to restore the relationship after discipline. Let them know, hey, all right, we're, we're fine. We're past it now. Uh... You're still my son. You're still my daughter. I love you. You're part of the family. In fact, you're even more part of the family than you were before. You've just been disciplined and let's move on. Be sure they understand that. You understand that. Okay, that's, that's the, the, the easy job of being a parent. 
uh, what is required of a child. It's actually a lot easier to be a child than it is to be a parent. First thing that's required of a child is obedience. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And once again, this instruction is to a, 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 a technon. Uh, why is it right? Well, let's see. They protect you. They feed you. They clothe you. They give you shelter. They pay your cell phone bill. They, uh, they have been placed in authority over you by God. There are any number of reasons why it's right. It's right. It's just right. Now, there will come a time when you might know more than your parents do about some things. Um, and there will come a time, actually, probably, maybe even before your teen years, when you'll know more about some things than your parents do. However, knowing how to program a universal remote is not a necessity for life skills. And the truth of the matter is, the things that really matter, you're not going to know more about them as a teenager than your parents know. You just, I didn't, and, and I knew more than any other teenager on the face of the earth at, at the time. So if I didn't, I know you're not going to. Yeah. And I'm not knocking our teenagers. We got great teenagers. Spe- yeah, we do. And us. Uh, Especially the girls. Guys, step up your game. Okay, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay, where was I? Uh, but even when you reach that point where you know maybe something, or you think you know more than your parents know about something, whenever possible, it's still right to obey. You still should do it, if for no other reason, for this one. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. And what that means in modern day parlance is what goes around comes around. Yeah. Uh, The things in my life that I look at with our children, and and we've got great children. I'm talking about Margaret and I. We, We have great children. But the things that I look at, that uh, that I feel the most pain over because there are times I feel pain and then I feel the most regret over are things that I recognized that I did when I was coming up. And, you know, and it's, it's just kind of tearing there that is kind of like, well, somehow I sort of deserve this, really, but... <laughs> But they don't deserve it. They shouldn't have had to go through it. And they probably wouldn't have had if I hadn't done it. So one of these days, you may be on the other side of this equation. You very likely will be. And the measure that you use, and the grace and the, and the, and the mercy and the obedience that you extend to your parents, it'll come back to you. It will come back to you. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke. When your parents discipline you, don't despise it. You may not agree with it, but don't despise it. 
That'll create all kinds of problems for you. And here's, here's one verse that's good for life. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That means somebody who loves you and cares about you may say something hard. They may do something that, that, that hurts you. But you can trust it. Because they're not doing it to hurt you. <laughs> you know, that, that, the friend is the one who'll go, Ooh, that's pretty bad breath you got there, buddy. You know. Uh, when's the last time you washed that shirt? You know, kind of thing. Your enemy ain't going to tell you any of that stuff. Your enemy's just going to say, hey, just go on in for your job interview right now, huh? Yeah. Your enemy's going to say, hey, you go ask her for a date and get real close when you talk to her. Because you stink. <laughs> Two things a child is supposed to do. Obey, obedience, and honor. It was in the verse we read today, but it's several places in the scripture. The first place you find it is Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. If you look at the, if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first three involve God. And there's, there's almost kind of like a, a, a descending order, if you will. I, I mean, they're all important, but it's almost like a descending. The first three involve God. The next one involves the parents. It's the most important relationship there. Children are instructed to obey, but you never get too old to give honor. Never get too old to give honor. And you don't have to necessarily agree with your parents to honor them you know and if you're out on your own you you don't have to obey necessarily to honor them I had the great privilege during uh, uh, I've been here for almost 27 years now and I had the, my, my parents as a lot of you know were here when we got here uh, and I had the great privilege of the last 16 to 20 years of their life being able to honor them. And uh, that wasn't what they looked like at the time, but that was, that's their prime. So I, I wanted to honor them by putting their prime up today. And I was very concerned about it when I got here because I knew my dad and I disagreed about a lot of things. I knew that we couldn't necessarily walk in, I, I couldn't necessarily take instruction regarding some of the things that he wanted done. And, you know, and I found out my dad was maybe more of a man than I thought he was because, you know, when he gave me the church, he gave me the church. And, and by that he taught me. And it was such a privilege and, and, I, and I thank God for it because I don't know that I'd ever really done that in my life. Don't know that I'd ever really extended honor to them because I... I I'll, I'll just be honest. You know, I thought I was smarter. I thought I was more talented. I thought I was better looking. I just thought the whole, the whole nine yards, you know. And, and I don't know if any of you have ever felt that way about your parents, but I suspect some of you have. And so I, I, I was finally old enough and had the opportunity to give honor to them. And when you do that, that'll come back around as well. And, and it's right It's what you're supposed to do because your parents have something valuable to give you 
that only they can give you. Now, you know, they may, they may, for whatever reason, be withholding it, but most of them would desire to give it to you. And that's their blessing. There are lots of things you can do without their blessing, and you can get blessings other places, but, the, but, but a parent's blessing is a powerful thing. It's a precious and valuable thing. You know, when you get ready to leave the home, whether it's to get married or go into a career or whatever it is, ask for a blessing specifically. I want your blessing in this. The reason Jacob was chosen over Esau was because Jacob could see the value and the worth of that which was invisible. That birthright, that 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 blessing, you might not be able to uh, to stack up the coins and, 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 and count it on a ledger, but he knew that's worth something. I want that. And it is worth something. It's a valuable and precious thing. And if you're in a position maybe where, you know, your parents are deceased and maybe you never got the blessing, I don't know. Or there's so much conflict there, you think it's never going to happen. Well, it it can happen because God can do miraculous things. But understand this. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, Daddy, you have a father. And in him there is provision. There is protection. There is discipline. When we respond to him with obedience and honor, there's blessing. God commands his blessing to reside where his children dwell together in unity. And that blessing is life forevermore. Would you stand with me? those who are going to pray for people come forward this morning and uh, if you're here and you uh, and you need prayer you can you come maybe you don't have that relationship with God he brought you here today because he cares about you well he didn't bring me here today I got in my car and drove here today he brought you here today you're here because he brought you here and he wants to have that relationship with you uh, if you have discord or problems or issues in the home or you just need to get some things sorted out, that'd be a good thing to come and pray about because you're sure going to need to talk about it when you get home, that's for sure. And if you, uh, anything that you have need of for prayer, God's here. There's provision, there's protection, there's blessing going to worship for a few moments and if you don't need to come just worship with us and if you do come come
blessing before I give you a blessing. Uh, because I don't think people think about this anymore. We're not attuned to this. It's perfectly permissible to go to your parents or parent, if you've only got one left, and ask for a blessing. And it may be because we're so far removed from that culturally, they may have never thought to give it. It can break down some barriers. It can, it can break down some walls. That's just something I felt like I needed to say. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world so that He may lead many sons and daughters to glory, who sent His Spirit into the world to give us the spirit of sonship and adoption so that we cry, Abba, Father. May you walk in the security and the joy of a child of God. And may you show his glory and his beauty to all those who are missing. In Jesus' name, amen.